Good morning, Rochester. Good morning, Ohio. Good morning. That's about it as far as where people actually listen to this podcast from, but good morning. Uh, I'm coming to you, actually, on Saturday evening from Main Street, Naples, New York, where I am evacuating uh, Naples Grape Festival right now. Um, this is the the very end of the festival uh, yesterday, so uh, five o'clock or so. It's like a mass evacuation. <laughs> That's what it's always like. These festivals are. I think I've heard I've heard rock stars talk about this before, where it's like you're not you don't pay me for the the uh, the, the performance, right? You pay for me lugging all my equipment in there. Uh, with rock stars, obviously, they don't lug their own equipment, but in their case, you know, you pay for them traveling to the city, being away from their families. In this case, same deal. It's like the work, the actual sauce selling is the easy part. It's the work of setting up for and breaking down from festivals. That's the part, man. That's where the work is done. But anyway, it is so great. So literally as I drive, I'm going down Main Street left and right. I'm looking at vendors upon vendors. And, and Naples Grape Festival is an interesting one because... Naples Grape Fest. Oh, there's Artisans. Gifts from the Finger Lakes. Great local gift shop if you're ever down in Naples. Great little shop. Uh, so, no, so there's um, a lot of festivals that have been canceled. In fact, it's really sad thinking about next weekend should have been Hilton Apple Festival. This weekend, you've got Naples, which is on. This year, you know, 2020, everything was canceled. 2021's been very much. Some stuff's canceled, some stuff's on. Naples, obviously, on. Appalumpkin this weekend in Wyoming, that's on. Uh, next weekend, Hilton off. Following weekend, Columbus Day weekend, Letchworth Arts Festival on, but in a different location, not at Letchworth Park. Instead, I believe, downtown Perry, New York. So we just very weird, very, very weird time for the festival circuit. Of course, we start to feel like carnies, us festival workers. I really, I'm telling you, we really are like carnies. Oops, I, maybe my volume's been a little too loud up until now. If I just adjusted it a bit. It really does. It feels like you're a carny when you're a festival person. Uh, we all start to know each other, and, like, it's so funny. All the questions that I used to ask now, I'm able to answer those questions because, like, the people next to me just now were newbies. Um, they were woodworkers. And it was their second ever festival. And it's nostalgic to me because Naples was my second ever festival. Back in 2014, I did Naples Grape Festival. It was the second festival we ever did. Ryan and I went out and did it. The only one we ever did before it was the Riesling Festival, Canandaigua. So it was our second ever festival. And it just, again, special place in my heart. Always has been, always will be. Special place in my heart for Naples. So it was really cool being next to these newbies. And they're asking me all these questions questions that newbie carnies always have and now you know i like to, i don't like to think of myself as a carny but then when i realize i have every answer to every question they have i realize oh my god turns out i'm a carny <laughs> so i'm also a wannabe foodie sometimes i think i'm more fat guy than foodie but i'm just a excited because i just right before i hit record on the podcast placed an order at a, a restaurant i've never eaten at before Route 96 Barbecue in Victor, being that I'm coming from Naples. I was texting with my wife, and we we're saying, hey, you know, let me pick up dinner on the way home. And uh, we decided on barbecue, and, you know, we have, we've got our go-tos. We really like uh, – first of all, there's a lot of good barbecue in town, okay? 
Of course the classics. Of course I love me my sticky lips. Love me my dinosaur. Marty's my boy. Good smoke, by the way. Good smoke. Don't sleep on good smoke. People don't sleep on good smoke. I mean, good smoke is very popular. They do well. But I'm saying good smoke, too. It's hard to pick barbecue places. But just now, being that I'm all the way down here in Naples, and I'm coming up through Victor to get back to town, I thought, you know what? I'm going to do Route 96 barbecue just because I never do. So it's going to be a glorious food evening. I've got Route 96 barbecue, and then also, just before I hit record... I had just hopped out of the van to buy a Cindy's grape pie, traditional crust. No, 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 don't give me that crumb crust crap. Crumb crust is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm a fat guy. I'll eat the crumb crust. But the traditional is the way to go. You got to go with the Ridge, the OG, right? I always thought Naples was the funniest thing in the world because you've got Cindy's pies and you've got Monica's pies. And it just feels made for a like a movie or a reality show that there would be this little town that gets attention once a year during their grape festival and that there would be two women in this town who, who are who are the pie ladies and it's just like do they feud are they friends with each other do they hate each other like just feels like a reality show you know it really does so Last night, I had the pleasure, the honor, the distinct honor of emceeing St. Anne's Food Fight for the second year in a row. Prior to that, I had been a judge for a couple of years. And Food Fight is really, truly is one of the best galas. And it's not even a traditional gala, but one of the best galas of the year. Food Fight is like, they create, what they do better than really anybody is they create content. They, they do a 30-minute chef competition show. Basically, they do Chopped, right? It's ingre- it's it's mystery ingredients, and the chefs have 30 minutes to come up with a dish. And the competitors last night were, um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some names wrong, but it was Chef Terrell uh, McLean. He is the owner of Booby's Barbecue. It was uh, Chef Samantha Boykis, I think is her last name. Um, she's been on, she's actually been on Chopped. Chef Tracy Burgio, who is an instructor at Bosi's in Batavia. I love Tracy. Very proud to sit on the uh, uh, Batavia Bosi's Culinary Advisory Board. So thank you to Tracy because she's the one that invited me to sit on that board. Uh, and then also it was uh, Chef Mike Speranza of uh, Culinary... Oh, crap. Now I'm forgetting the name of his business. Culinary Creations, maybe? Uh, anyway, Mike Speranza was the big winner last night. 2021 Food Fight winner. Been invited to come back next year and defend the title. And uh, it's just a great show, and we raised a lot of money. Last night we had raised about $250,000 for St. Anne's Community. Um, that's everything. That's ticket sales, sponsorships, cash call, everything. And it was really wonderful. So they've got some great donors. Of course, my friend and confidant Tom Riggio and Kathy Riggio with a big donation to St. Anne's last night. They did, made a $10,000 donation. Uh, the Salernos, Vic Salerno. The uh, CEO of O'Connell Electric with a $10,000 donation. And when you see people come out of pocket out of the kindness of their hearts for uh, something like saying it, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see, and I am always so gosh darn pleased to be a part of those situations, you know. Anyway, thank you to St. Anne's for having me. I did something this week that I had been holding off on doing for a very very long time 
I think this might change your opinion about me. I listened to many episodes of the Joe Rogan experience. And I liked it. I liked almost everything I heard. I Here's what I like. I like long-form radio. That's one of the big turnoffs I had from radio that got me out of radio to begin with was just the the sort of the, uh, the anti-long-form uh, sentiment going on in radio. Joe Rogan's doing three-hour-long episodes. Right now, I'm not going to do three. I don't know that three-hour-long episodes are for everybody. Well, actually, maybe they are. I mean, he's got the most popular podcast out there. But what I'm saying is I'm not about to start doing three-hour episodes. I don't think that's what anybody's looking for from me, you know. But I listened to some really good episodes. In fact, he just recently had Amanda Knox on there. And uh, Amanda Knox, if you don't know, is the uh, woman who was falsely accused of the murder of Meredith Kircher, which occurred in Italy uh, many, many years ago. There was a guy, uh, Rudy Gay Day, who actually committed the crime, who was arrested and convicted and everything. But for whatever reason, the police in Italy just had a giant like crush on the fact that Amanda Knox and her boyfriend at the time, this Raffaele Selecito, had to be involved somehow. And they basically did everything short of framing Amanda and Raffaele to make it look like they'd been part of it, even to the point of convicting Amanda at one point. She went to prison in Italy and ended up having to get re- released on appeal. Uh, and really sickening when you look at the, the, you know, it's interesting. I love true crime podcasts. I love true crime in general. But this one, Amanda Knox is almost not even a murder mystery because we know who did it. it. You know, the actual, I guess it is a bit of a mystery because you don't know what happened inside the house that night. But you know more about it than you do most murder mysteries. So I guess there is a a, a portion of it, of the murder part that's kind of missing or the mystery part that's kind of missing there. Anyway, long story short, it's one of the worst cases, though, of false false accusation and false imprisonment um, and framing and just really just poor conduct by police. The Italian police just really showed really, really poor conduct in the way they treated this case. And there's all kinds of – there's a documentary about it, too, and there's just all kinds of stuff that they did wrong. I mean, watching video from when they collected the evidence. Oh, my God. It's unreal. They're walking around the the murder site in regular shoes. They're literally picking up and handing evidence to each other. At one point, they broke their way into the house by breaking glass inside of the house. Like, they just they were contributing to the crime scene. And they were just contaminating it left and right. And it, it basically ended up so that by the time anybody start taking that case seriously that nobody everything was all it was all screwed up you know that that's the reason we don't know what happened inside the house that night oh i'm sorry i'm driving through mountains right now my ears are popping you know not mountains but whatever what do they have down here in naples like hills there's hills they're kind of mountains little mini mountains what makes my ears pop though anyway um the amanda knox saga I don't want to call it the Amanda Knox case because it's not. It's the Meredith Kircher case or the Rudy Gay Day case. You know, it's not the Amanda Knox case, but the Amanda Knox saga is one of the more fascinating ones out there and unique to me, too, because, you know, she's an exchange student in Italy. I was an exchange student in Italy. I actually have something in common with her, and I can understand, um, you know, what it's like to be kind of fish out of water. Different country, 
don't speak much of the language, don't understand local customs, you know, all that kind of crap that she was dealing with, except I never had to do it in such an extreme situation like she did. So, one of my favorites. So, hey, yeah, so I've been listening to the Joe Rogan experience. I think it's really good. I think that um, his interviews are fantastic because they're very in-depth. He takes his time. I love on-air hosts that just take their time and they don't rush through. Takes his time with his guests, and I appreciate that. I do know that there is some sort of a, I guess they're perceived as a cult. The Joe Rogan, like, fans are, are kind of perceived as a cult. The podcast fans, I don't quite get that yet. I'm not, maybe it happens where you eventually become one of those. Because there are people who form fan bases that become very cult-like, and it's weird. I don't quite see where he's, and of course, he would he's not probably not doing it on purpose but I don't quite see where he's forming a cult you know he's not I I was gonna say he's not passing on many of his own beliefs but he is he is giving plenty of opinions about current events so maybe he is cultifying his audience a bit but really tough to say that that wouldn't be if somebody's gonna give somebody else the right to create all their own thoughts for them then that's just a weak-minded person to begin with but then again that's what cults are built on right speaking of true crime i guess i i feel like i'm blabbering at this point this is a podcast i try not to do more than three in a row mini episodes like this life's been busy not gonna lie i apologize i appreciate you checking in even on the weeks when there's no guest when it's just me rambling i know they're not the best podcasts in the world but there's something right and uh coming home from the naples grape festival i just knew by the time i got home i was gonna be tired and got to get this thing uploaded i'm right back at this festival early tomorrow morning so you know it oh although it did just occur to me i don't have to come quite as early tomorrow morning because i'm all set up already yeah and tomorrow i have help relieving me at noon which means i will get home by one which is just in time for the Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears, extravaganza. Oh, can we talk a little football? I don't, this is not a sports podcast, but I, I know I've been talking football last couple of weeks. So week one, I said what I said, right? You want to hear that? That's on last week's podcast. I felt like the Bills didn't look very good. I felt like the Browns looked better in week one. In week two, obviously both teams got their wins. I felt like the Bills looked really, this week now, week two, Bills looked good. Browns looked less good, but the Browns were playing a very weak team in the Houston Texans, so the Browns at least uh, were able to squeak out the win. The Bills, by the way, dominated the Dolphins, which is really considered to be their main competition in the AFC East this year. So if the Bills are dominating their main competition, that's a really good sign. Uh, and it was an interesting thing. I think the Bills, didn't they win 35 nothing or 42 nothing or something ridiculous? I think you almost have to... You almost have to look at the fact that it didn't feel great. Josh Allen still felt a bit off. It was really interesting watching not only the Bills fans, but Bills players even. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I know. I feel like if you cough in public now, you like you owe a huge apology to everybody around you. This festival, by the way, Naples Grape Festival... They made all the vendors show their vax cards. Either that or it was mandatory masking. And of course, of course, 
immediate, like within three minutes of getting to this festival, I witnessed an argument over it. I get to the festival this morning and I go to check in at the main tent. And the guy in front of me is not wearing a mask. They ask for his Vax card. He says he doesn't have one. They say, you're supposed to be wearing a mask, sir. Can you put it on? He throws a little miniature fit. And I'm just like, what are we doing? Oh, God, we're so divided. And by the way, the festival this year, I should say, and I hope you go today because I like this podcast comes out. A lot of people listen Sunday morning. I appreciate that about this podcast, too. It shows people. I feel like Sunday morning was a good time to put this out. Not a lot of podcasts come out on Sunday mornings. But this thing gets a lot of listens on Sundays, like, before noon, which means, like, 75% of the listens on this thing come within the first few hours that it's posted. So I do appreciate that, which means a lot of you are hearing this, and you still have time to go down to Naples today. I know football's on. I hear you. I'm only going to be there till noon because I want to be home for football. But if you get the opportunity, head down to Naples because it's one of the best festivals our area has. But I will say this year, they have a few less vendors than normal. It's a little bit less than the norm this year for Naples Grape Festival. Now, they still had a really good crowd, and the vendors were making a killing. Uh, and it was great, too. It was very – Craft Cannery was very well represented because, of course, Guglielmo's was there. Right across from me, I had Red Osier and Agatina's, two of my clients, right across, right across the uh, walkway from me. So that was awesome. But um, – where was I? I was talking about football, wasn't I? Yeah, I noticed a lot of Bills fans were down on the Bills, even though they blew out the Dolphins. That was odd to me. Very odd. But maybe a good sign that your standards are that high. You know, maybe. Meanwhile, the Browns uh, Browns struggled a bit against Houston. They get the win. I think at this point the Browns just have enough talent on their team <clears throat> that they're probably going to win games against bad teams that they at least play average in, which is, I would say they played average against a bad team and they get the win. So, you know, it, it kind of works out. It shows that the Browns are a better team now, but there's still some real vulnerabilities with the Browns. Of course, they are down their top two wide receivers between Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. They had this one kid, this one play. Schwartz, his last name is Schwartz. He's a receiver for the Browns. He's not a star by any means, but Baker throws him a cross pattern. He stops short of the ball because he knows he's about to, to get crushed. So he stops short. The ball gets intercepted because he stops short, doesn't fight for the ball. Then Baker, because he's a competitor, is on the field now in a defensive position because he's just thrown an interception. And, of course, he goes balls to the wall. He goes to the play, tries to make a tackle, and ends up on the ground for 10 minutes. And thank God he was okay and not injured. But it looked for a minute like he was going to be injured, and it was all because this goddamn Schwartz kid chickened out on trying to go after a cross route, which you just can't have in the NFL. It's the NFL. How do you make it to the NFL if you're afraid to go up and catch a ball? I'm afraid to go up and catch the ball. I'm not in the NFL. I'm selling sauce at a grape festival. You're going to be in the NFL. You cannot be afraid to go up and make that catch or at least compete for that catch so that it doesn't end in an interception. It's just ridiculous. So tomorrow, two 1 o'clock games. The Bills, I believe, host Washington. The Browns host the Bears. These should be wins for these teams. Again, you get a chance to see 
if they're good teams, they should march on to victory with these things. That's not to say good teams don't lose games. I, I, I'd like to say every good team is usually good for at least one loss every season that probably shouldn't have happened. One bad team is at least good for one win that probably shouldn't have happened every season, too. So it is the NFL. These are competitors and professional athletes. You'll have that a bit. But, you know, if you're the Browns or the Bills, you really got to just <laughs> got to win the games you're supposed to win. I know it sounds obvious, but I think they play 1 o'clock. Really, both teams have a lot of primetime games, but both teams really start the season off with a bunch of 1 o'clock games. Uh, Browns got a handful of 4 o'clock games this year. That's always been my favorite. 4 o'clock games rock. I like 1 o'clock games just fine, but what I hate is night games. Thursday, Sunday, Monday, I don't care what night it is. I hate me a night game. I'm not trying to stay up that late. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think in adulthood, the reward would be I'll stay up as late as I want. And I do, but it turns out as late as I want is 8.30, 9 o'clock. <laughs> well, anyway, as I told you, I do have the ladies from Love and Cup coming up. Another interview I... I Actually, I had scheduled for this week what this podcast was supposed to be this week, but it got canceled because the event that where I was supposed to hold the interview was turned virtual, and I didn't want to do the interview virtually, was uh, Lindsay McCutcheon. She's the CEO and founder of Career Start, which is a temp, temp, uh, serve, uh, temp staffing agency. And Lindsay has a great outlook on kind of a history of how the job market got where it is right now, why there's a labor shortage where it's going it's really gr- explains it really well and i do want to get Lindsay on also the ladies from love and cup at least one of them will be on uh before they open their brick and mortar so hopefully those are the next couple weeks worth of interviews no promises though honestly nothing on the books right now life has been crazy busy work has been crazy busy for the last uh couple of weeks this week finally we have our our final hire to where i feel we're at full staff starts on Monday so hopefully that gives me a little more breathing room to go back to something resembling human hours I don't like to get into the hustle culture argument because people don't like what I have to say about it but you know a 12 I feel like for a CEO a 12 hour day is a steal if I'm a CEO and I can work a 12 hour day I feel like that's cake a 12 hour day I usually don't even bat an eye at 12 hours I get tired Eh, 14, 16 hour, usually right around the 14 hour mark. That's usually my, I'm getting tired. And I usually hit my wall around the 16 hour mark. That's me, that's me, that's how I'm built. 12 is cake, 14 is getting tired, 16 is wall. Most people aren't built that way, but most people aren't CEOs. You know, listen, not trying to get cocky with it, I'm just saying. I gotta be careful though. Oh, I got to be careful. Here we go. I'll end the podcast with this. I'm going to reveal something to you. I, uh, For the third time in my life, I have restarted going to therapy. Yeah. I Really, the whole reason I went to therapy this time around was, you know, my coping mechanism for stress has always been food. That's why I'm overweight. I eat bad. I eat lots. And that's how I cope. And uh, it's no good. So I restarted therapy and I began by telling my therapist that I'm here because of my addiction to food. And do you want to know what happened? By the end of the 50 minutes, 
Oh, it's 50 minutes. I mean, I don't care if you're in the middle of an emotional breakdown. When that clock hits 50 minutes, if you've never been in therapy, every therapist I've ever had has done this. When that clock hits 50 minutes, your session is over. I don't care. I mean, you could be in the middle of a sentence like, And I think that's why I hate my... And the therapist would be like, well, that's our time. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> anyway. This was my first session with a new therapist. And I began by telling her I was addicted to food. We talked for an hour. At the end of the 50 minutes, she told me, I don't know if you're addicted to food. You might be. We can talk about that. We'll continue to discover where the the, the urge is coming from to eat and, and whether or not we would call that addiction. But I do know one thing. Again, this is her talking to me. She said, you do have an addiction. Your addiction is to your work. That's where your addiction is. Your eating might be a coping thing. And I went, kind of blew my mind. I thought I was a hard worker. I never really thought of it as an addiction. So I told my wife about that. And my wife says, yeah. And I go, yeah, but not really. I said, I'm not addicted to work. I, I enjoy being lazy. Like, I like... I like watching football on Sunday. If I was addicted to work, I wouldn't be able to sit down and watch football. And she said, Polly, during the football game, at least four times, you will do something work-related. Whether it's text a client, you know, do your emails, tell me a story about work, blah, 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 whatever it is. She's like, you are, even in your states of relaxation, only thinking about work ever. And I went, damn it, you're right. So maybe my first therapeutical breakdown, therapeutical, <laughs> therapeutic breakdown of the uh, new session with the new doctor is, I always just figured I was addicted to food. I think maybe I'm addicted to work and food is my coping mechanism for the stress that comes with the work. <laughs> Mind blown. Go Browns. Go Bills. Thank you for listening.